when I'm sick of myself. and exhorting one another in our faith and in our journey, in our life. It's always been my dream that a crowd and a group and a house full of people would be singing their faith, hope, and love with abandon, singing the songs of the Spirit with the angels, singing the songs of the Spirit as we ride the waves. As we ride the waves, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. Never stop, never stop moving. Never stop, never stop moving. Even when I don't see it, you're moving. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. Never stop, never stop moving. Never stop, never stop moving. We thank you for moving in our bodies. Thank you for moving in this house. Thank you for your sweet presence that is available to us as we're aware of you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Thank you. Be seated. so that we can do it and that'll be a real one that'll be a real song because it's not real yet you know until you put chords on it and put it on the paper it's not real <laughs> oh hallelujah I can't um I, I want to try to press into something and press and massage something into your spirit Okay, I'm not going to touch you, I promise. I'm not going to touch you. <laughs> this is spiritual stuff. This is spiritual things. Spiritual things are more caught than taught. And I can't get off of this Grace Got Next message, man. It just blesses me. Um, it's an interesting way of saying it. It's used on the court. You know, when you got next and you want to play ball next, you shout out, I got next or we got next. And we have been allowing and inviting grace, that all-sufficiency, that all-sufficient power and grace, that enablement to do what we cannot do on our own, to take up the role of doing next what only God can do, what only grace can do. 
And last week, I introduced some of you for the first time to the Kenosis Hymn, or the hymn found in Philippians 2. It's a classic. It's a classic piece of text and literature that I want you to know about um, in Paul's um, letter to the Philippians, to the church at Philippi. And it's so important that I wanted her to have that just to have it up on the screen and to um, help us to get it into our hearts, into our spirits, because this is an important um, passage. And it's talking, it's Paul speaking from jail, from uh, chains, actually. The first chapter of the letter says that he was bound up in chains, and yet the remembrance of being with his church family was giving him hope and consolation and was giving him the desire to live. He was basically saying in that first chapter, he says, you know, I kind of am between two opinions. Either I want to, to live and stay alive for your sake, but then there's part of me that wants to just go home and be with the Lord. Have you ever been there? Have you ever uh, prayed before a test, you know, <laughs> or whatever? Like, but I always wanted God, Jesus, not to take me until I got my driver's license. That's where I was. I just let me just let me drive first, and then then take me. But um, so Paul writing this text um, is an interesting piece of literature. Um, we have here um, him talking about the unity that is in the community at this church and the comfort of the spirit and the koinonia, the sharing in the spirit. So the Greek koinonia, I'm going to be using a lot of Greek words because they just sound fun and make me look smart. And so I'm going to say them and stuff. Thank you, Pam, for that laugh. I appreciate it. Um, and so <laughs> let's, uh, let's read this together. Do we have all 11? We do. We do. It's going to go all the way through, right? Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, let's read together. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourself. Now, stop. Okay. You got to put on your, your uh, got to get in Paul's seat here. Okay. So Paul is not trying to tell you to be a doormat. Okay. And to prefer everybody else's needs over your own to your own detriment. All right, all my therapists and boundaries and everybody's good teaching and psychology and, and we understand that we are just as worthy as anybody else. There's no big eyes and little U's. So, but you get what, if you can kind of get where Paul's at, he's trying to say, love one another real good. So good that you actually prefer somebody else's needs before your own while still getting your own needs met. Now, if Paul had had some good psychology courses, he would have known to say that. He just didn't have that under his belt. So he's like, do some real good things so that people know that you're different. You're a different community than anybody else out there because you actually serve and love one another instead of trying to push one another down in the water while you get ahead, right? We don't want that kind of activity. So are you good with that? Can we move on? Uh, from that that language so we know that we're not doormats we're not staying in abusive situations come on come on all right cool 
You're going to get out when you need to get out. You're going to be healthy. You're going to stand up for yourself. You're going to use your voice. That's what Paul would have said if he were writing this with me. So verse 4, let's continue reading. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And Paul would have said, and making sure that you're taking care of yourself as well. Okay. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited and stop. Or in another text, it says something that's to be grasped or held onto. So, so the, Paul is quoting from a popular song that this church would have known. It would be like me writing a letter to you quoting parts of goodness of God. Everybody knows that song in this church right? You've been a father, you've been a mother, you've been a friend. When I walk through the fire, what is it that you boys talk to me or something, whatever the lyric is, you, I would quote that to you and you would immediately be reminded of the feeling that you had of singing, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able I have the goodness of God. Okay, so he's quoting now. He's saying, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form, the morphe, the form of God, did not consider staying God something to be grasped or held on to. So he went ahead and laid it down. He, kenosis, Himself, He greeked out himself. He, he, he emptied himself in the kenosis, okay? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. But notice verse 7. He emptied himself. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you know how to go back? Okay, cool. But emptied himself, <laughs> taking the form of a servant, uh, taking the form of a doulos, the, the word is doulos, to be an under rower, to be that bond servant, to be not needing to be in the place of a servant or a slave or needing to be that one in the supporting role, but took it on anyway out of his own delight and will. He was willing to do that, willing to take off the glory of being God and put on the humanity in its full suit. Emptied God's self. This is an interesting concept because we think that in serving or worshiping a deity, that we want to ascribe that deity the very highest spot. We want to ascribe to them a high and lofty place. And that's how religions usually like to train us, is that we are down here and the deity is way up there. And God is watching us from way out there. He's way out there and out in the sky. And we all need to pray and hope and plead that God will hear us. But what this hymn is trying to express is that the high and lofty idea is actually the lowest, the emptiest the servant of all. 
it is hard to wrap our minds around that concept because we don't, we don't hear that message that God is the one coming to us to empty God's self of all that God is on your behalf. It's rather uncomfortable to think about a deity serving you. It's rather uncomfortable to think about someone that you revere and respect picking up your plate after you've eaten. It's this place of a pouring out and not a grasping to get more. This is parallel, and, in, and, and we'll go on in just a second. The parallel that we see here and the imagery that would have immediately been in, um, brought to mind in the hearers is that of the Adam figure, the Adam and the Eve figure, who were out grasping the fruit, grasping to be like what they perceived God to be. More knowledge, more power, more awareness. It's this parallel between the grasping of the figures in the, in the garden and the emptying of the God. The God figure comes emptying itself. Whereas the human figure comes wanting to grasp and fill up and be in a hierarchical position to assert and usurp over. That's the human ego. And in juxtaposition, I'm wanting you to see that that is what Paul is trying to say. Let this mind be in you, which was also in our Christ Jesus who though he was in the likeness of God, did not consider being equal with God something to be grasped, something to be lorded over. I am God, serve me. But instead, he emptied himself into the form of a servant and served one another. And, and Paul is saying, I want that same practical wisdom. That's what the mind is. The practical wisdom, the, the phrenesis, the, or phrenosis. The practical, I want that practicality of emptying yourself to be in this community. I want you to so love one another that you prefer one another over your own advancements. But in so doing, as this is an upside-down kingdom, the more that you lift up, the more that you climb, and as we like to say, as we climb, we rise. We, how do we do it? Lift as you climb. That we all are promoted as we promote one another and the interests of one another. Because we're, we're not involved in a community or in a realm where we're running out. It's not scarce in this kingdom. There's more than enough to go around. There's more than enough. So you can empty oneself, but as the psalmist says and as the Proverbs say, the one who waters will himself be watered. The one who gives will most definitely receive. For it is better, what, to give than it is to receive. But just like the inhale and the exhale, they go together. 
So this is not a, a scenario or a, a message in which you, you can walk out of here going, I guess I have to give till it hurts or um, give so much that my own needs are not met. That is really not the way this upside down kingdom works. Continue reading. Um, let's see, where, where were we? Seven, but emptying himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, Morphe, he humbled himself, he kenosis, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Next. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Yeshua, Yahshua, Joshua, Jesus, Every, more closely, it's Joshua, Yeshua, instead of Jesus. I, I kind of like to say, I like the way that sounds a little better, Joshua. And so at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is that it? Okay. And, and it goes on to say some, some really beautiful things. However... You know how Bob was saying that you are a sibling of Christ, that you are a part of the body, and you have the same name. You have been given the same name. And in our association with the Lord and in our envelopment in him, we have a worth and a dignity that because we know who we are, we can empty ourselves for another. It was only when Jesus understood where he came from, who he was and where he was going, that he could kneel and wash the feet of his disciples, taking the form of a servant, the lowest one in the household. Can you imagine how undignified that was of the Lord to do something like that, that was only reserved, that particular role was only reserved for the children of the household? To serve, to wash, to prefer, to clean. This piece of text is a masterpiece, and it, it has a lot to it. And what I love is this phrase, let this mind, let this practical wisdom be in you, in you all, that was also in Christ Jesus. You notice that there is a lowering and there is an emptying. But then it is God who highly exalts the figure afterward. It is God who then lifts up the head and lifts up the figure and lifts them up and exalts them. I believe that this is talking about the ones who are the lowest among us, the ones who are, I'll say another popular phrase, the least of these, the least of these, the loneliest the most depressed, the most anxious, the most sick. There is an emptying and then there is an exalting. There is an exalting along with the Christ that that name that you don't, maybe nobody knows your name. Maybe you have not done anything noteworthy in your life and nobody knows who you are. Nobody would know if you came or went. But there is a God who knows you and knows you inside and out.
and will highly exalt you in due time, in a due season. This is the one who comes to us and provides and gives and supports. There is a solidarity of suffering that the God of the Bible is depicted and described as, as, as being with us. And our culture is so separation-oriented that it's hard to understand that this deity is as us with us. It's, it's, it's hard to grasp it. It's hard to empty yourself to it. It's hard to understand that we are inextricably connected. But I'm trying to get that point across. This let this mind be in you is also parallel to John 14, the way that we see the paraclete, the way that we see the helper, and Jesus saying to us, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't worry about tomorrow saying, let not this your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I shared with you last week about the lyrics of that song that meant so much to me on my plane ride home. The humbly lowly Jesus waits in the valley. My Savior suffers with me. I, I heard about a, a Korean uh, student that was attending a Bible college, a uh, Bible seminary. And this Korean student was uh, preparing for his doctorate. And he had this idea. He was trying to support an argument that the divine actually does work within this atmosphere and within these uh, laws and rules um, that, that uh, govern this realm. And kind of touching on this idea of a divine interceding or inter, interacting with human elements and these natural world, um, you know, would that be called a miracle or is God already here? Does God penetrate from the outside or is God already within it, um, working within it? Um, I actually really like that idea of the God figure being within. I, I, that's where I tend to lean in my, in my theology is that is God out with us and among us and already working through us and as us. Often, so often the answer to your prayer is you. Because it's the way you can see something differently. If you can have a change of perspective, you can often be your own solution. So it's working within to without, right? So you think this is so amazing that when you're asking God for something, some kind of intervention, and he's, he works on the heart. He works within you to empty you. Um, but this uh, Korean doctorate student um, had this idea that he wanted to see if this were true with some of the most victimized and shame-filled people that he knew about, um, were women who uh, were given over as sex slaves in World War II to the Japanese uh, soldiers. 
And he asked them that who were now in their 80s um, at the time of this uh, experience. He asked them if they would be willing to talk about their experiences. And Kelly, I thought, I thought of, of yeah, I wanted to say it to you, and you're going to, you know where I'm going to go with this, but he, he talked, he asked if they would tell their story. And he came to his professor and said, the women are willing to talk. They're willing to share their story. And what had previously been kept a secret for all of these years, because after they were um, sadly um, abused in that way, they had to go back to their churches and back to their families, back to their homes, back to their husbands and never say a word about it. They were sworn to secrecy and the, the shame that filled their soul and shrouded their experience was palpable, but they kept it secret decade after decade after decade after decade until this student decided to ask about their story and they were willing to share it. And you know that the one common thing that they all shared was that they said, without even understanding how, without even having language to put on it, they said, somebody was always there with me. God, a presence of comfort was there in my silent years, in my silent shame, in my silent pain and abuse. I felt a comfort from, from God, from a deity, from love that I could not explain. I felt God with me. The suffering one the one who suffers with in our deepest and darkest torture and pain. That is the message of this hymn. Let this mind be in you that suffers with, that has compassion with, that is with the pain of another. While we may not be able to fix everything that's happening in the Middle East, we can't fix everything that's happening around the globe. We can't always be in the darkest of places, but the one that's in front of us, the one that is suffering, maybe it's us. We can be with and our presence can transform and heal. They all said the same thing. There was a presence there when nobody else was. I believe in that God. And I am experiencing that on a different level because somehow in my imagination, so I don't know where I got it. It's probably bad teaching. <laughs> um, but I had this idea that God was watching me suffer. Have you ever had that? That God is God God could do something about it but isn't. And that does something. That'll make you feel some kind of way. Because that it, it's wrong teaching. Because actually the one the Christ is not watching us suffer the Christ suffers with me as me 
Let the king descend and living word made flesh. Lift this heavy heart to your throne, O God. In his wounds I find room for all of mine. When from grace I fell, Christ was lower still. If you think that you have reached the bottom, that you have fallen with chronic pain so low that you can't hurt anymore and any longer, when your fears are, are paralyzing you and gripping you, where you can't seem to have the freedom to make a good decision and to move forward, Christ is lower still. You cannot go any deeper than where Christ already is. I have fallen from grace many times in my life. How about you? I have fallen out of sorts and out of track and out of step with what I think love and the holy would want for me. And yet I find the one suffering as me and with me. And somehow... Even when I make my bed in hell, behold, the, the psalmist said, you are with me. Paul describes a community where every person considers the needs of others first and does nothing from selfishness. One that pulls together rather than pulls apart. And it is a body that knows its purpose and lets nothing interfere with it. It is an extended spiritual family where others line up to become part of this sacred assembly. Come on, house church. And to make it their home because they feel encouragement and know they are truly loved. So Paul urges the Philippians to strive for this radical unity and fulfill his joy by having the mind of Jesus who humbled himself, became a servant, and suffered the death of the cross. Jesus becomes the example of humility and service leading to the kind of unity Paul imagines. If you have in your own mindset a construct of God that is oppressing, lording, pushing, demanding, driving, it is not the one that Jesus knew as God because this one empties himself. It's the God figure emptying God's self. I believe that happened when he created everything that we see and, and are and, and have. I believe that, that we all came. That's what the, the, uh, the hymn that Paul spoke, in him we live and move and have our being. God emptied God's self to create the cosmos. God has always been inside of it, never leaving it, never forsaking it. I wanted to continue with this message because there's something here that I think by faith you have to grasp. You've got to meditate on this. You've got to meditate on that mind. Y'all can come. You have to meditate on that to really get what it means. That's why I use the word massage because it's something that you can't just, I can't just pour it on you. It's like it's got to be rubbed in. <laughs> You've got to think about it, meditate on it, write about it. Think about some place in your life where an emptying might actually be a welcome reprieve. I know that when my church is quiet, y'all are listening and thinking. 
because it freaks me out just a little that you're so quiet. But not one person fell asleep today, so I think home run. Let's see. Um, We are getting ready to uh, proceed into our interactive worship. Thank you for receiving that message. I hope that it makes its way into your practical wisdom and your practical life.